This podcast may include adult content. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories, Fish Camp by Sarah Black and Last Call by Clifford Garstang. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts. Fish Camp, written by Sarah Black, read by Kelly Shriver. Listening time, 2 minutes, 25 seconds. Fish Camp by Sarah Black When the river ice broke in early May and the Yukon started flowing again, Mary put the last of the dried salmon, some coffee grounds, and a plastic bag of oatmeal in the old pack and walked downriver to the fish camp. The snows had come early, at the end of September, so the junk around the camp had been covered all winter. "'You have left me a hell of a mess,' she said, poking at the soggy debris. The boat's outboard motor was beached, with seven small parts carefully arranged next to it, unfolded newspaper. There were three empty oil cans from that high-mileage oil that cost a fortune, and the sinew netting was torn off one of the paddles on the fish wheel. She threw her arms wide. What do you expect me to do now? I can't hunt the moose and get the sinew, not alone. I can't butcher and pack. I'm an old woman. And if the fish wheel sits in the dust broken, I won't be drying salmon for the winter, will I? You have left me here to starve, husband. She poked her walking stick into the flat tire of a great-granddaughter's abandoned bike, the pink handlebars and pom-poms crusted with mud. No one was interested in the fish camp now. The children strong enough to run had run. They were off in Fairbanks or Seattle, drinking Starbucks and going to the movies. The children and grandchildren left to her were drunk in the woods, using the broken pieces of a whiskey bottle to carve words of hate into their skin. Mary could not have explained, but the first link had been broken, and he had left her here alone. She would have to hurry. The ice was moving fast this year, or maybe she was moving slowly. She had been 13 that first year, when he had taken her and they had walked down river and started building the fish camp. She thought she was 83 now, but really she had stopped counting. The link had never broken before, not in all that time. She left the outboard motor and the parts alone, raked trash into a pile and set it on fire. It was a good fire, ate their old reed drying racks and the pieces of the broken fish wheel. When the flames died down, she could see that the fish camp looked good. Not perfect, but good enough. Mary left the coffee and oatmeal, took the last piece of salmon they had dried together. Then she stepped out on the river, onto a piece of ice the size of their marriage bed, when he had finally bought her a bed. The river was cold and swift and strong. The End Sarah Black writes flash fiction and erotic romance. Her latest anthology of three novellas, Fearless, is available from Amazon and the ebook Border Roads from Loose ID. Last Call, written by Clifford Garstang, read by Mark Rushton. Listening time, 8 minutes, 25 seconds. Last Call by Clifford Garstang. It's the last call for the class of 2001, their five-year reunion drawing to a close, and and Brenner, in his standard t-shirt and holy jeans, has just arrived. Dora won't be there, 
but he's come all the same. Elbowing his way to the bar, he bumps Big Sean's arm. Beer sloshes on the ex-fullback's boots. Sean glares at him. Brennan remembers Sean, the bully who headed into the Marines after graduation, but there's no sign Sean remembers him. Why would he? Sean's folks have a big-ass house across from the football field. School wasn't Brenner's thing, all that rah-rah bullshit. He's the same cipher he always was, run-offspring of no-account parents. Brenner downs a whiskey, mutters, sorry, and reaches for his beer. Sean's sledgehammer hand pins Brenner's wrist to the bar. I said I was sorry, chuckles, said Brenner. The heel of Sean's other hand blasts Brenner's chin, and he crumples to the tavern floor. Sean brushes his palms on his camouflage jacket and pushes outside. Brenner peers at the faces spinning above him. One comes close, someone familiar, a guy he used to know, arms reaching out, pulling him up. Jesus, what was that about? asks Jason. Brenner has heard that Jason is home for the summer, having dropped out of college for the third time. They used to hang out some, get high in the old days. Brenner turns, jaw on fire, sees no sign of the bigger man. Sean's still an asshole, he says. The rock didn't change shit. Nothing's the way it's supposed to be. Brenner has a kid he rarely sees. Dora wouldn't marry him, and the only thing that they talk about now is child support. Jason says his folks split up and his dad moved in with some girl who's barely out of high school. Jason grabs a 12-pack, the 7-Eleven on Frontier Drive. They pull to the side of a dark road and sit in Brenner's pickup, drinking and smoking a joint, reliving old times. Brenner wishes he had a picture of the kid to show Jason. He rubs his wrist. It's bad news. He works construction when he can, plays bass in a Ramones cover band. Even if his wrist isn't broken, it'll hurt like hell. What a jerk, Brenner says, jaw throbbing. He tastes blood. He thinks a tooth is loosed. Remember when he beat the crap out of that band geek? What's his name, Toby? Jason opens another beer. Grade A number one asshole, Brenner says. A bulky guy in a camouflage jacket staggers past on the gravel shoulder, and they both watch. Brenner's head spins from the beer and the dope. Hey, that him? Jason points to the guy. He thinks that jacket makes him somebody. Fucking Marines. He was a prick then, and he's a prick now. Brenner chugs his beer and tosses the can out the window. He jams the pickup into gear. Tires spin in the gravel, and the truck swerves when the rubber grabs the road. Brenner stomps on the accelerator. The engine whines. Sean's in his sights. Teach him a lesson, Brenner says, ready to swerve at the last second. Put the fear of God into that bastard. Jesus, says Jason. No. He grabs the wheel. Brenner steers left. No time to explain it's a joke. He smacked into a buck once, nearly totaled his mom's cavalier. The impact is like that, maybe louder. Blood splatters the windshield. As they speed into the dark, Brenner pounds on the dash. What has he done? He didn't mean to hit the guy, just wanted to scare him. Jason sticks his head out the window and looks back. It's not him, he shouts. I don't think it's him. What if it's not him? Brenner drives faster. He can't think, and Jason vomits on the floor of the truck. You're crazy, Jason yells. Go back. I think he killed him. Brenner runs a stop sign and then another. 
Jason shouting at him to go back. But when he gets to the light at Lee Highway, just before the interstate, he stops. This is bullshit, says Jason. He jumps out of the truck and runs. Good riddance, Brenner mutters. It wasn't his fault anyway. It was an accident. Was it Sean? He's pretty sure it was. The asshole deserved it. He drives on. The smell of Jason's vomit is awful, like a skunk in the road, snaking down his throat, and his own stomach turns. But he opens the window and lets cool air batter his face. Then it's not so bad. He drinks more beer, and that helps too. He keeps driving. He's on the edge of town, not far from Dora's place. He hasn't been there in a while. He stops out front watching. It'll be light soon, and he wonders what time the kid gets up, if there's a chance she'll let him see her. The truck idles rough, and the rumble seems loud, loud enough to wake the neighborhood, so he drives away. The vomit smells worse, and he can't stop thinking that he's going to puke, too. Under a streetlight, he sees blood on the hood, on the windshield. He tells himself Sean will be okay, that they weren't going fast, and somebody will find him and take care of him. But the blood tells a different story. Brenner's cheeks are wet. He's never done anything like this before. He's holding down the vomit. And now there's light in the sky. He's near the high school. He thinks about ditching the truck, breaking into the school, trashing the gym, hiding there until he figures out what to do. He should go away, leave this hopeless town. He's got nothing here anyway. But that's no good. They'll know. Jason will talk, the faggot. Everyone will know. He calls Dora on his cell phone. She'll know what to do. He can sleep there on the couch and see the kid in the morning, and then all will be clear. But Dora doesn't answer. Why the fuck doesn't she answer? He passes the school, and now he's at Sean's folks' place. It's his truck in the driveway, it must be, with the fucking Semper Fi bumper sticker. Why is that truck here? Jason's vomit is finally too much, and he can't stop his own from spilling out. He tries to open the door, but it splashes on the window and his thigh, and now he's out of the truck and kneeling by the front tire, and the smell of rubber makes it worse, and he heaves until there's no more. He stumbles to his feet, hands on the hood, and he sees the blood. Is it Sean's? He needs to know, so he goes to the door. It's dawn, the birds are loud, he rings the bell. No one comes and he rings again. What difference does it make? He's killed someone, Sean or some other fucker. He hears movement inside, a voice, and the door opens. It's Sean. He's wearing a t-shirt and sweatpants. No blood, no injury. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. Jesus, what has he done? Brenner thinks he might throw up again. He tries to look past Sean into the house, as if the other guy might be there too. There's no one there. He doesn't know what to do. He's just killed somebody, maybe, fucked up big time, and he has to do something to make it right. He looks up at Sean. My wrist, Brenner says. You hurt my wrist. You're a fucking asshole. Sean steps outside. You woke me up to tell me that? You woke my parents up? He pushes Brenner backward, moves with him. That's right, you bastard. You stupid shit-for-brains bastard. Brenner pushes back as hard as he can, and Sean fires a rocket into the center of Brenner's face. Blood gushes from his nose. His feeble swing at Sean is blocked, and Sean hits him again and again in the head and gut. Brenner goes down, but struggles to his feet. Bastard, Brenner says, already flagging. He can barely see now. Stupid. Sean knees him in the groin, and the pain is glorious, like the fucking sun exploding inside him. 
but he doesn't go down. He lunges at Sean again. Stupid, stupid bastard. The end. Clifford Garstang left the practice of international law to write fiction. His work has appeared in numerous literary journals, including Shenandoah, The Ledge, Baltimore Review, GSU Review, and elsewhere. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off, copyright Bound Off and the respective authors. All rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories. Follow the bookstore link to purchase books written by Bound Off contributors.